Welcome to the Super Nintendo Exploration Squad podcast, episode 7, a selectbutton.net guide and podcast. Our team of brave explorers plays one Super Nintendo game selected totally at random from the entire library, and uh, during this podcast we discuss it using the five standardized and absolutely regular metrics for scoring a video game, which are gun, vanity, mystery, poetry, and harmony. Joining me today are... My name is Shrug, and I'm here to say I love beta cucking in a major way. I am Talpa, and I am not going to rhyme with anything, despite what game we played. I'm your co-host, Courier Rice. And I'm your host, Virtual Clint. This week we're playing uh, Chester Cheetah's Wild Wild Quest, which happens to be our first US-only game. Uh, which comes up right after I figured out I was missing every single US-only game, and what a way to begin our journey into the United States. Oh, God. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> With a road trip game. It is. It's a very US-centric road trip game, which is great. I asked everybody to play an hour. Uh, how long did you play, and how far did you get in Jester Cheetah's Wild Wild Quest? I have no idea how long it took me because it was so sludgy and painful. I took repeated breaks, but I beat it. I beat the Wild Wild Quest. I beat the game as well. Yeah, I, I think we all did. I beat the game. Uh, it took me about, I would say it took me about an hour, honestly. Yeah, I beat the game. It took me, I think, an hour and 20 minutes, but I was taking a lot of uh, screenshots and like shit talking it in, in our uh, chat, in our Discord. Yeah, I, I spent some time doing that, too, because uh, it's got a lot of things to talk about. Um, okay, cool. So we all finished the game. This is the first time in podcast history that we've all finished the game. And again, I don't know if I'm proud of that or what. Like, it's just what an auspicious beginning to that that uh, that trend, hopefully trend, I guess. Anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah. So I... I definitely think it's a little bit of an ill omen that the first game that we all finished was Chester Cheetah's Wild Wild Quest. I'm a little, in some ways, ironic, proud that we were all able to suffer through this together when normally it's usually just me trying to uh, muscle my way through all of the bad stuff. Yeah, I think I think that uh, it, it is really ridiculous, too, that, uh, yeah, it's a terrible game we all suffered through. I guess we should probably describe it. Um, if you're at all familiar with branded games on the Super Nintendo, though, you could probably guess what kind of game it is. It's a platformer, and you jump around as, as Chester Cheetah in various levels trying to collect a map piece, which it sort of implies is optional, but is absolutely in no way optional. Um, and then you fight a boss at the end of every level, and then the game is over. Uh, yep. It actually says in the manual and in the opening crawl that um, you will get a special ending if you get all of the map pieces, but as far as I can tell, you just have to get all the map pieces, period. And well, the good ending is to stop playing the game. 
Okay, yeah. <laughs> we all got the bad ending then because we just kept muscling through. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's that's Chester Teach's Wild Wild Quest. Let's get into our first topic. Gun. And, uh, oh god, if, but if this game was a gun, the first person to fire it would die. Um, but <laughs> what do we have to say about Chester Cheetah's wild, wild gun? If this game were a gun, it would be pointed at me. Uh, I wish they had given Chester a gun, because that would have at least made this, uh, interesting. You know that semi-famous Photoshop picture that's rare, I don't know what model, but it's some variety of, of pistol where the slide is like don't go into exactly how it's restructured truck nobody cares but basically the pistol it's basically the barrel is turned around to point at the, the shooter so the only if you're going to fire it you you have to shoot it at yourself this is basically just your cheetah's wild wild quest yep <laughs> said in the forum thread, I'd like to not dump on this game and try and come up with some positive things about it. And um, I hadn't played the game yet, and <laughs> I'm, I, this is definitely going to be the dumpingest category of all of them, because, yeah, this gun is, is it's, it's there to, to kill you and make you feel really bad also first. Yeah, I said in the thread that if y'all can't find nice ways to talk about this game, then you're not trying hard enough. And then I played the game, and... Uh, this game controls like you're going through mud the entire time, uh, both in terms of it having bad physics with, um, let's see, how do I say this? Chester just basically is at a crawling speed when he walks, and then if you want him to run, then he's going full sprint, and there's pretty much no in-between. If you jump, you it has a slight level of commitment uh, a la Castlevania, so you can kind of move it while you're in the air, but mostly you're kind of stuck in the direction you're going. And coupled with all of that is the fact that this game eats your inputs constantly. Oh, it would have been, I would say, almost playable if it did not just constantly drop inputs. Like, uh, like... To navigate most of these levels, you need to do double and triple and quadruple jumps just to find things. Well, it's an example of one of those extremely lushly, this is kind of getting into vanity, but it's very over-animated. Um, and that was obviously where the lion's share of the effort went into um, the levels are very basic. The interaction with enemies and such is basically, hey, what if Mario had to jump on things more than once? And what if his, you know, what if when he bounced off of them, he was unpredictable? So half the time your hitbox hit the thing that you just hit, you collided with them in the wrong way and so you died instead of hitting them again. Um, 
So it's it's all about getting those frames of animation in and not about being responsive. And you have this very cartoonish sort of double jump when you can actually get it to, you know, fire, except instead of a double jump, it's like a quintuple jump. You can do it at least five times where he swims through the air. So you have this incredible amount of air control, which you would think would make the game incredibly easy. And you're still eating cheap deaths all the time just because the controls are so sludgy and the hitboxes are all over the place. Shrug, you mentioned uh, something in there at one point about uh, how when you jump on an enemy, you don't know where you're going to go afterward. And I think that's a good point. There was a lot of times constantly where you will jump on an enemy and you don't stay, you don't like bounce directly upward. If you're coming at it from an angle, you're going to keep going at an angle when you bounce off of the enemy. And that kind of makes uh, Chester in this game sort of the Xbox 360 controller of uh, platformer mascot characters in that there is no true vertical. Oh, it's so bad. Like, okay, I really want to get into this eating inputs thing because, like, to be clear, when we say eating inputs, we mean you push a button and nothing happens. And you do have, I counted seven air jumps, by the way. Like, if you can get them to fire, you can get seven. But I would say 80% of the time, I couldn't actually get more than two just because I'd hit the button and nothing would happen. Uh, And that would, that's not just the air jump. It could be just jumping on the ground. You just wouldn't jump. And it was so infuriating. Like, how, how, like, that's, oh, God, it was so bad. And then, yeah, the hitboxes are all over the place. There were enemies, like, I was save stating, or I was saving and loading constantly. Because after the first level, I was like, I am not dealing with this. And so I was testing these enemies. There's a fish <clears throat> that jumps out of the water, flopping around. Um, and it just jumps up and falls back down. I jumped on it once and killed it and then died to something else, jumped on it a second time in almost exactly the same way, and I died. And then there was also falling platforms that they're supposed to kill you when they land on top of you, but there were at least two occasions where I jumped on top of them and they still killed me. I think I was... I was... Uh, I touched the top, I just as it was falling, like just as the animation switched from trembling to falling on one of those... On one of those, I ran out of breath quickly because I'm asthmatic. Um, I, like, Chester's, the corner of his sneaker touched the corner of it, and he instantly exploded into a ball of cartoon cheetah parts. It was amazing. Actually, did none of us manage to write down a list of all the things that kill Chester Cheetah because he's as fragile as um, Spelunker. You know, I, I was so furious <laughs> that I don't I don't even think I watched all the animations all the way through because it's uh, it's a thing with these branded mascot games for when you die to have different animations for it because it's a Saturday morning cartoon. Um, and so, yeah, you could just get hit and you would collapse into a bunch of che- Chester Cheetah parts. You could get electrified and turn into a pile of ash. I think that was it, though, honestly. And then and then you stand back up and eat uh, from your bag of Cheetos if you manage to find a bag of Cheetos on your adventures, and that brings you back to life. I love getting electrified into a pile of ash underwater and immediately 
standing up and eating my soggy Cheetos and being rejuvenated. <laughs> That's the gamer experience. Yep. Which actually, speaking of underwater, uh, I think sprinting underwater is the only time where your character moves at an acceptable speed. You know, there's there's also... Okay, so you said this game feels like moving through mud, and it absolutely does. But there are portions of the game where the terrain actually slows you down even further, like the sandy ones you can't walk properly on. So that's the other time that sprinting puts you at kind of a decent pace versus the way too slow of walking or way too fast of sprinting on normal ground. But just the fact that they not in, in, in addition to the fact that just moving around is torture, they make it so that some terrain makes it even worse. Like, my God. And there was one level. I didn't write down the names of levels except for one. We'll get there. Um, one level where there, I think maybe were conveyor belts, but they weren't animated in any way. I just moved in really weird directions when I yeah. landed on them. Yeah, those existed, except I think they only existed on the edges of platforms. Oh, oh I, I think well, it was in the Little Shock Arkansas level. Oh, it's also on the the pirate ship level. I don't remember which one that was. Uh, Wait, they had conveyor belts on the pirate ships? Not exactly. They had, I think they were trying to simulate like windy seas or the ships moving through the water or something because you would slide off the tops of ships. Weird. I love how Chester has a 500,000 air swim jump, but... He can also pull himself up off ledges because they're just that committed to animation uberales. My favorite death was actually, speaking of uh, ledges and speaking of those uh, trembling platforms, uh, landing on the edge of a trembling platform right before it drops and dying while still uh, in uh, ledge grab animation. Nice. <laughs> my fa- What was my favorite death? My most infuriating death was on the plane boss, because you hit the plane boss, and he becomes invincible, so you pass through him. But then, before moving, he becomes, again, a, a danger to you. So if you're standing on the ground, he'll just hit you and kill you. So you have to bounce off and then move as quickly as possible to the other side of the screen. Instead of bouncing off again, which you can't do. Oh, God. Oh. Yeah, that was that was a very bad boss. Um, the worst for me in that regard, and therefore my, my worst experiences with death, in both in real life and in this game, was probably against the submarine boss. Uh, well, there were two of those, actually. Uh, the... No, no, no. One of them was a seal. Uh, the, the regular submarine boss... I forget which level it is, but the uh, what you have to do with that boss is that you have to fall off of the platform that you start on because the boss can come in from either side, but he comes in slightly under the platform. So you have to jump, you have to fall off and then fall at an angle under it so that you can hit the periscope as it goes up and then jump on it again as he comes out. And it's almost pixel precise so there like there's a lot of cheap deaths trying to figure it out i had no problems at all with that boss but at that point i was so uh inured to uh the horrors of this game that uh it just all felt natural oh you have to hit the top of the periscope you cannot even brush the side of the periscope because the side of the periscope 
is incredibly deadly to cheetahs. Yes, that uh, I learned that a lot on my first run through on normal difficulty, which I gave up on because that it felt like it was a single line of pixels trying to get to the periscope. Oh, one miss. I guess this is both mystery and gun, but what did collecting the Cheetos paws actually do? I can never figure it out. It gave you extra lives. But all of your lives reset when you start another level. Yeah. It's just boss chances, I guess. Because the bosses are so, so unholy brutal. Or at least some of them are. Mostly because of hitbox and bounce angle issues. But. but sometimes you also enter a bonus game after you've defeated a boss where you can collect a bunch of Cheetos and then if you get any extra lives, those don't mean anything. That's exactly yeah. what I was about to say. Like, what's with the bonus game? I think it's just for score. I just, yeah. those, those bonus it's, games sucked. <laughs> it, the bonus games were hilariously easy because if you just mash the jump button the entire time, then you can get almost 100% of the pause. And so it's like, I, at least this is easy to do, which uh, reminds me, it's also the only part of the game where there's no slowdown, despite the fact that there are constantly tons of Cheeto sprites heading at you. Oh my god, the slowdown in this game is from the first second of the first level that I played. I guess, like, there's an interesting thing where the levels are actually in a circle, um, and you can pick one of three to start at, which is kind of interesting. And then from there, you can move to any of the adjacent ones. So you kind of pick your starting point and then go in a circle. You can go backwards, which it's kind of a really awkward way of doing it, but whatever. Um, but the very first level I played, which was like in Texas or something, I don't know. Um, yeah, it was, from the very first second, the game was slowing down. And it's like it had two sprites on the screen plus Chester. Like, what the fuck is going on? Well, yeah, three sprites is too much for a video game. Don't be spoiled. I guess that's true. Yeah, I've never seen more than three sprites on, on the screen at once in any, any video game. So, yeah, I guess you're right. I've never seen more than three sprites in my entire life. I have, like, 12 sprites in my fridge right now. Okay, that's a good one. <laughs> so, uh, okay, this this podcast brought to you by Sprite. Sprite sucks. It's not brought to you by that. We're brought to you by all the brands this time. Oh, God. Cheetos suck. Okay, who here likes Cheetos? Not me. I, every once in a while, I feel like punishing myself. I occasionally think I might want a Cheeto, and then I have regrets immediately. I actually really like Cheetos, <laughs> and this game is true. Like, I <laughs> I have opinions about Cheetos. That's how much I like them, but uh, I don't I don't ever want oh, wow. another Cheeto. <laughs> At least you're crying while you admitted it. Whatever enjoyment I can get from Cheetos to me is completely offset by the fact that I literally can't do anything else while I eat a Cheeto. Cheetos are the snack you eat when you just don't want to use your hands for anything. Or you, well, I was going to make an orange genitals joke, but I don't really know if that works either. (laughs) Why would you go there? (laughs) I don't know. Because I was thinking, well, you know, you could always shower, but you can't shower your controller. I do actually have somewhat, depending on the day, have somewhat limited use of either one of my hands, depending on which one wants to 
packed up, you know, I have a nerve condition. Like, one of the reasons why I took so many breaks when I was playing this game, part of the reason was because it's awful and I hated it. But the other reason is that my left thumb was not happy to have to use the DualShock 4's terrible D-pad at great length, and it kept going numb, so I would take breaks to give it a break. But my sometimes limited strength and, and range of motion means what I can do with one hand is very limited, so I can't eat a snack food that's going to limit me to one hand. And this is a game that demands that you be eating the snack food while you play it. Yes. I mean, it's the only way to stay alive. It's, uh, it's like playing on cheesy mode. <laughs> One of the many secrets of this game. This is the only thing on game FAQs for this game. And the only thing that makes the Super NES version superior to the Genesis version is that they programmed a sensor, a software sensor, that allows it to sense if you are consuming Cheetos. And if you are consuming Cheetos, all of the slowdown is gone. Do you think that maybe it's because you got a whole bunch of Cheetos dust inside uh, inside of your uh, Super Nintendo cartridge slot that uh, it fixes the slowdown, just the Cheetos dust uh, short circuits? Yeah. Cheetos dust coprocessor. You know, that's that's one of the biggest uh, problems with emulators these days is they, they've never been able to figure out how to get that Cheetos dust co-processing working. That's why Star Fox 2 doesn't run at full speed, you know? I think we're definitely going to have to get the My Life in Gaming guys on this. Can you can can you verify this? <laughs> can, can you can you get a Super Nintendo and just crush some Cheetos into it and see what happens? <laughs> I bet I can tell you it's going to work great. <laughs> No, this, oh, God. No, I like Cheetos. Anyway. <laughs> Fortunately, it has to be the ones that are shaped like paws as and, featured in this game. And those are gone, aren't they? They don't sell those anymore, I don't think. Yeah, that was, that was, a, that was a limited thing, wasn't it? That was, it seems like a very poor decision to try and sell a game in order to market a limited time item, but... I I mean, I guess we're in a, like, we've hit the event horizon with Sneak King by Burger King, so, I mean, who cares anymore? So, I do have uh, a question about uh, our gun experiences with this game. What difficulty did we all play on? Normal. You lied. <laughs> Normal with... I know I said on a previous podcast that I didn't like abusing save states. I very happily abused save states to get through this because it was such insane bullshit. Well, goddammit, that means that Shrug is the true Lord Gamer this time because I think the rest of us played on easy. I definitely switched it immediately to easy. Cheesy, I guess. I Why didn't they call it that? Why didn't they call it that? I think that's because if they put it on cheat, if they named it cheesy, then people would think, oh, that's the difficulty you're meant to play, which it is. But, you know, because no, the three difficulties should be cheesy, normal and dangerously cheesy. 
Thank you. Or oh, Flamin' Hot. Want... Yeah, flame... wait, did they have Flaming Hot yet in stores? Look, I am not... Actually, I'm looking this up right now. Um, <laughs> I was going to say I'm not the expert on Cheetos, don't ask me, but Chester Cheetah Wild Wild Quest was released in 1993. Chester <laughs> Cheetos, the pause thing, were introduced in 90 and discontinued in 1993. You think there's a correlation there? Whoa, this is the swan song of the Cheetos pause. This is more than the swan song. This is what killed them. Yeah. This is the thing that murdered them. <laughs> and we have a moment of silence for the Cheetos pause. No. That's enough. <laughs> I'm trying to look up when Flamin' Cheetos, Flamin' Hot Cheetos came out, and I think it might have been 2006. So, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have made sense. Oh, my God. 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 Cheetos pause back on shelves. No. What now? Spotted on shelves, February 9th, 2017. Oh, God, it's coming back. That means they, this is going to come back. They look slightly different. Well, but, see, that's, that's, that's a result of evolution. Oh. <laughs> it is. It is evolution. <laughs> there, oh. You can buy them at Target right now. 7.5 ounces of Cheetos Paws for $2.50 plus tax and shipping, I suppose. Wow, yeah, these are these are diet paws. These are like they're more whole than Cheeto. According to that last according to Cyber Night 2, uh, birds can go from just repeating their name over and over again to having a civilization that rivals uh, that of human spacefaring human beings in a thousand years. So I guess that Cheeto paws can slim down in 25 years. Yeah, it makes sense. It adds up. Oh my god. 1993 was 24 years ago. That's sick. <laughs> I'm so old. There are children these days that don't know what a cheetah is. <laughs> yep, ever since Cheetos' paws went extinct. Oh. So did cheetahs. <laughs> so did cheetahs. They should have cheetahs. Cheetahs are back, baby. <laughs> they should have never discontinued the Dodo's chips, because then we would still have those beautiful birds. Okay, what other gun crap do we have about this game? Oh, oh, wait, I got some. I got some. And this is partially not reading the manual, you know, RTFM. But um, the first level that I played required you to do a semi-secret move where you hold down and then jump to break bricks above you. I actually, it took me a bit to figure out, that's fine, you know, I didn't read the manual. I read the manual, and it tells you how to do this move and specifically says that you only need to do it to reach secret uh, paws or whatever, secret Cheetos off screen that is never required to actually finish the levels. And it is absolutely required to finish at least two levels. Yes, it is. And I also used it a lot for a few bosses um, I found it on accident, and if you want a little extra tidbit for that, that is another uh, little verb that they don't tell you and don't even put in an animation for, is that uh, at one point later on to get one of the map pieces, you have to go through a barn, and you have to do the, the special jump in order to smash your head through some broken tiles, some broken uh, like beams or whatever. And at one point, the the breakable beams are under you. 
And it turns out the way you're supposed to take care of those is that as you're falling through the air, hold down on the D-pad and you'll just break them as you go through. And there's no animation for it. There's no indication that you're the one actually breaking it or why it's happening, but that it's there. And if you know that, then it actually makes a lot of levels easier because it completely erases any sort of strategy of come at a barrier from this angle or whatever. It's just, eh. There's a big womp noise. I do actually have one last thing to say about, uh, about the game's gun. And that is, as previously mentioned, uh, the levels are arranged uh, in a circular loop, uh, wherein uh, you can choose which direction you go into. This does very strange things to the difficulty curve because the last level uh, you play uh, is one of the starting levels. So it will be the easiest level in the game besides the one you started on. Now, you say that, but uh, there are three starting points you can pick that are all across the map, so... I thought they... Did. Are there? I thought there were only two. No, there's no, definitely there's, three. Yeah, it's three. It's three. It's three. Get out. Get off the podcast. <laughs> I thought the difficulty of the levels really seesawed up and down pretty dramatically. And I think it's every single time you hit a starting level, it suddenly became, like, very easy and very short. Uh, I assume every time you started a level, everything became very life-threatening in a very real sense. <laughs> I... Uh, yeah, no, it really was, like, up and down. I actually, the, the level you mentioned, I want to go back to that down jump thing, that down crush thing for one second, because the level you said where you absolutely need to do it, again, that, that was the first level I played, so I was stuck for quite a bit. Um, I figured that out on accident. I looked in the manual, and it specifically says that you need to do the crouch super jump first before you can do a crushing jump, which literally would not work in the situ in the only situation where you absolutely need to do it. You you can do it from a normal jump, and you could not do it from a super jump in the situation where you need it. So even the manual is fucked. <laughs> Good job, Kaneko. That's the developer, by the way, Kaneko. And the publisher. They did it. They're, they're a double threat. They just need to write oh, a book. actually, that reminds me. My favorite little tidbit about this is that when you start it up, it says designed and produced by Mark Springer. So we've got a fucking auteur for this game. Who was otherwise seems to be a pinball table designer for the most part. Well, I mean, that makes sense, because I definitely felt like I was hitting and being hit by everything. And I know the other, it's been a few days since I looked it up, but the other, like, computer or console game of note that jumped out at me was Crewball, a computer uh, pinball game based on the band Motley Crew. Oh, my God. That yeah. would have... That's, I think we found a better licensed game, even though this one is the pinnacle. Sadly, uh, it appears to be on, only on the Genesis. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Yeah, Mar Mark Weston Springer is literally the only 
name associated with this game. There's no other credits in the game. He took a bullet for everybody. Uh, I, I think he worked on the other Chester Cheetah game as well, if I'm not mistaken. He looks like he did mostly graphic design for pinball tables. So I'm wondering if he wasn't primarily a graphic designer, because that would make sense. And he has a design credit on Willow for the Amiga, Atari ST, Commodore 64, and DOS, which appears to be sort of a wizardry-alike. I didn't even know they released uh, Willow games on those systems. I always just think of the arcade game by uh, Capcom and the uh, NES game that I don't know who it was by. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I liked that movie as a kid. I always want to say Kurt Russell's in it, but it's actually Val Kilmer. I don't know why I get them confused. That's a really weird movie. I watched it again a few years ago. Willow is... Family movies were weird in the 80s. Yes, they they were. were. Which movie was Willow again? That was the one where producer George Lucas really worked out his little person fetish. Uh, Oh, uh, did you know that it had, like... uh, novel sequels that have nothing to do with the movie yes yes <laughs> were they written by um that x-men guy yeah chris claremont and george lucas co-wrote them though i think it was mostly just george lucas saying okay sure there's uh, a here's a challenge try to describe willow in a way that doesn't sound like you're describing lord of the rings there is not a part in lord of the rings so, obviously, Mad Mardigan is supposed to be kind of an Aragorn, like if Aragorn was a smart-ass, roguish character. But there is not anything in Lord of the Rings that is an equivalent to him dressing as a woman with, I think, coconut breasts and being grabbed by a drunken ruffian who says, Wanna breed? which is always Whoa. the detail I remember. Because it was a family movie in the 80s. What a breed? Oh, my God. I bet that didn't make it into the NES version. <laughs> okay, okay. Probably, it's probably in the Amiga version, though. <laughs> yeah, those Europeans, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So, any other notes on gun before we move on to vanity? Okay, no more gun, huh? <laughs> All right. Um, so gun was it was distinctly a failure. I want to actually just note before we move on. In my notes, I have nine question marks, and and most of them are paired because I'm just like <laughs> crouch jump, seven air jumps. Anyway, I just thought that was funny. But let's <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to vanity. I think this is where things are going to pick up a little. Maybe we can say something nice about this game that graphic designer Mark Weston Springer uh, was the only name for. So what did we think about uh, this game's vanity? And obviously it's a vanity project for Cheetos. Let's get that out of the way. Yes, this was this was their second claim to fame where they really wanted to let everyone know that this was going to be the pinnacle of gaming. No, I made all that up. this game actually has some very appropriate aesthetics for the brand they're going for. Every, like, 
Everything is rather detailed. Uh, there are a billion animations for Chester Cheetah, though none that would have been nice, like being able to crush those uh, breakable blocks and uh, also maybe just would have been great if they'd included an animation for getting hurt that wasn't instant death so that they could at least make that an option in easy mode because I do want to clarify this is a game where you get hit once and you die oh shit Tulpa just <laughs> posted a picture of the cows with sunglasses yeah let's get that out of the way every fucking thing has sunglasses on in this game <laughs> Everything. Cactuses, flowers, cows, uh, some kinds of grass, I think, have sunglasses. The moles. Chameleons. That never show up anywhere. Sorry, go ahead. But not the leather daddy hog. There is a leather daddy hog standing on some purple liquid. So just since I... Since I just put an image of the leather daddy hog in the chat, um... I wasn't sure what to expect when I got to the town of Omaha, but I was like pretty keyed up when I saw Omaha on on the screen. I went, I chose the more northerly route, so Omaha didn't come until about halfway through my particular game. And then I ran into that like gaggle of little pigs that you can, for once I was surprised, you can actually, if you hit them, they'll, they'll run out. They're just little hogs. They run out, they spawn in groups of four. There's something we didn't touch on in gun. If the spawn location of an enemy moves off of the screen, it respawns, they respawn instantly. And in a game that's nominally about exploration, that can get pretty obnoxious. Fortunately, the levels are pretty small. Um, but the weakness of this initial flock of pigs seemed like a real insult to the rough and hardy species that is the hog, but shortly thereafter you run into the bale-throwing leather daddy hog, and um, I felt better. Even though if you jump on his bale and it um, disappears, he just kind of stands there confused with his huge, burly, muscular arms up in the air. Oh, that is actually something I want to note about Vanity. Every single level in this, and there's uh, ten levels, nine uh, for the most part, but there's one final level. Uh, every single level uh, looks completely different from all the others. Yeah, there's not an enemy. Well, no, there's a couple enemies that get reused, but uh, for the most part, all the enemies are unique, all the tile sets are unique, all the backgrounds are unique. Um, it is pretty impressive, frankly, and some of them look good. I posted a picture of, this isn't a level, but the title screen has this sort of warped purple and pink city at night behind it. Um, it looks gorgeous. That's, that's almost a vaporwave connection for me. Um, it, it looks really good. There's a couple of cityscapes that look really good, too. There's a big, uh, right at the beginning, there's this sort of blue and green and pink cityscape that you see from, uh, kind of like a, a height. But they, it's at the horizon. Uh, it looks gorgeous. And then this stupid yellow plane flies over it with this dumbass Marine named Mean Eugene. Mean Eugene the Marine uh, flying it. It just completely sucks. Um, but, but yeah, there's, 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 a lot of, there's a lot of graphics in this game. And it, it is actually rather impressive. This game has 
all the graphics. All the graphics. I looked up. I just watched part of a long play of Too Cool to Fool, which is a much, much cruder looking game. But much more kawaii. Much more kawaii. Um, but it's a lot cruder looking game and it does not have the um, it does not have the Mark Weston Springer credit, so I guess we have him to thank for well, our lush backdrops. We should note that this is the first and last game that Conoco USA Limited uh, develops themselves. You know, sometimes I feel like a conspiracy freak because it's like this studio pops out of nowhere, produces one of the worst games I've ever played, and then immediately collapses. And you think, who's funding this? Who's trying to brainwash our children? <laughs> like, what the fuck, man? Well, they were the... Uh, I'm sure Curry Rice will want to talk a lot more about this because uh, they did a lot more research. Uh, Kanako USA is just the American branch of a Japanese company, mostly known for making kids clones uh, where... Uh, you uncover an image of a naked woman. Oh my god. Okay, so I was wondering why they had a Japanese sounding name. I thought it might just have been to try and get credibility, but what really? It's an it's another nudie company? We'll get to that the other nudie company we're gonna talk about today, but Jesus Christ. Okay, so the other thing that Conigo had going for them, or at least uh, is mentioned on their Wikipedia, uh, besides the nudie games, the borderline pornographic gals panic games is DJ Boy. DJ Boy was uh, a game that kind of apparently had some controversy because it's just like loaded with racial stereotypes. And I definitely saw certain things like uh, Mammies, which is like, don't don't put that in your game. Don't do that. Do not put don't do not put your Aunt Jemima in this game. Oh, that's oh, yep. I just Google DJ Boy and it's like this eighth result. I'm like, oh, fuck, no. So Kaneko has kind of a a record of doing this problematic stuff. I don't think it's entirely intentional, but it definitely is uh, bad. But uh, oh, yeah, the reason it's called Kaneko is because the guy who founded it, his last name was Kaneko. So this is entirely a uh, vanity. <laughs> <laughs> Just like when Steve Apple started Apple and Bill Windows started Microsoft. That one was weird, actually. Precisely. <laughs> Precisely. But, oh, here's something I noticed that I thought was actually really neat. Um, this game has uh, different uh, sprites for Chester for every slope that you stand on. And I want to say there's about four different angles of slope. It actually looks really good. Um, he kind of puts his feet on the, the slope, but then the rest of his body stands up straight, and his walking animation is different as well. That looks really nice, even though I do want to point this out. Chester is the worst fucking looking thing in the whole world. Like, the huge head and then weird stick-like body. I mean, his head is as large as his body, and it's kind of creepy. It's not fun at all. Yeah, he's kind of the ugliest furry I've ever seen. And I would much rather just playing this game made me want to fall into the embrace of Tony the Tiger's arms. 
Yes, Tony the Tiger. Look at Tony. Tony's gorgeous. Chester, oh my God. You did, uh, Tobla just posted a screenshot of Chester's head getting even larger as he faces the camera and gives a big grin. Uh, it's just, oh, it's terrifying. Which you can do at any time when you play this game, because I'm sure all of our listeners are so excited to play Chester Cheetah's Wild Wild Quest now uh, by holding down the sprint button and not moving. Oh, yeah, that's right. I noticed that. And I thought that was really stupid. It's good. Chester's about to get his head stoned in by that skateboard. Yeah, he's about to get crushed. Uh, let's see. So I do have one other bit on Kaneko, and I guess I could probably swing this into vanity or mystery, but I think I'll do it now. That way we can actually segue into mystery. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry too much about the topic headings anyway. I'm happy to get overlap. Okay, so... Uh, something else that Kaneko had going for them around 1993 were planning on releasing a platformer called Socks the Cat Rocks the Hill, which, yes, is about Bill Clinton's cat, but not about Bill Clinton's wife. Do not worry about the cat rocking Hillary Clinton. Um, yeah, the wiki uh, statement for this, it was a it was going to be a like political satire platformer. And Nintendo actually gave the go-ahead, which was weird because at the time Nintendo was very don't put politics in the games, not real-world politics anyway, um, for the for U.S. releases because that's really controversial. But they gave the go-ahead on this. It had a whole bunch of things. It had Richard Nixon. It had uh, it had Richard Nixon. Fuck, I don't know. And <laughs> <laughs> it was very weird. Like, okay, here's an excerpt I got from wiki originally scheduled for release in the fall of 1993 socks the cat experienced delays until it was ultimately canceled due to the closure of publisher Conoco's u.s branch in the summer of 1994 the game was complete however and review copies were still distributed to gaming publications a prototype cartridge has entered the hands of private collectors but the rom image has not been released to the public a kickstarter campaign to fund a relaunch of the game was successfully funded and anticipates a 2017 release so look forward to that apparently eventually being on this podcast oh my god i like i i looked at this up as you were talking about it i'm like wait what a kick a kickstarter a kickstarter kit what the fuck Oh, my God. Also, you people who have <laughs> these prototype games on the Super Nintendo and don't release the ROM image. What is wrong with you? This is history. This is culture. Cultural archival. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I'm actually fairly, fairly passionate about this. Yes. Yeah. Same. Like the collectors are gonna they're gonna still buy the cartridge. Like the people who are willing to buy the cartridge are not the people who would want to play the ROM that like that's a pretty divided thing like yeah there's gonna be some people who want to buy the cartridge and will also play the ROM but like there's a big divide there and just it's better to just let people take part in this kind of cultural stuff like I'm still waiting for the true Star Fox 2 from Nintendo yeah, I'm. That's the only thing that made me want to get the SNES Classic, but that's a whole other bag of socks of cats. Um. Well, so one thing about uh, socks of cat, I'm not particularly upset that uh, the ROM for it was not released, based on the fact that I played Chester Cheetah's Wild Wild Quest. 
How big do you think Sox's head is in it? Uh, at least the size of his torso. Yeah, it looks like it. <laughs> I just, I, you know, I just want to say, I just got right now that Wild Wild Quest is a is a play on Wild Wild West. I didn't get that at all. And now we're a family. <laughs> uh, a little other detail I wanted to point out uh, was that the uh, the copyright for Stocks the Cat was not actually owned by the Clintons. It was owned by uh, a Stocks the Cat fan club, which is ex- especially strange, in my opinion, that there would be a fan club for your cat that has the rights to the name of your cat. I am completely, that's fucking bizarre. <laughs> so this podcast is about to turn into like two hours of ranting about how terrible intellectual property rights are in the United States. I mean, I will get there. <laughs> I'm, I'm restraining myself, but I, that's, I didn't know that Socks the Cat was copyrighted, but I guess it makes sense that you would do something like that. But the fact that a fan club owns it, that's bizarre. My cat was well, actually named Socks, but we spelled it with an X, and I didn't know that uh, that Bill Clinton's cat was named Socks. Otherwise, my dad wouldn't have let me name the cat that. <laughs> the uh, the fan club no longer has the uh, those rights, though. It was eventually bought by the one guy who started the Kickstarter. So one man out there has the rights to the name Socks the Cat. Only one man in the United States is allowed to name their cat Socks. No one man, etc., etc. In Too Cool to Fool, Chester is hunting for the parts of a scooter. In this game, though, he has upgraded to a motorcycle, but continuity, whatever. In this game, he is hunting for parts to a map which will take him to, I don't even remember. Hip really City. Cool Hip City, that's right. What? Um, I, I think with Our Wild... Are socks collecting? Parts of what? Oh, that's a good point. Oh, oh, oh shit, actually. Give Constitution? Me, give, me, uh, f- give me five seconds. i got to pull up the wiki for this because it is actually great. The plot for it is actually great. One second. Is it like a national treasure? Oh, my God. I'm going to let you read this, Courier, but it is truly incredible. (laughs) Somebody tear up the Magna Carta when it was on a tour of the United States and only Sox can find the pieces and recombine them and set the war between the U.S. and Gritlandia. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's almost as bad, isn't it, though? Okay, uh, here's the synopsis. The game begins with Socks observing foreign spies stealing a nuclear missile launch unit in the basement of a foreign embassy. He embarks on a journey through 11 stages through Washington, D.C. landmarks like the Pentagon to return to the Oval Office in the White House and alert the Clinton family. Throughout the game, Socks must overcome the likes of foreign spies, politicians, the United States Secret Service, and the news media. The bosses are caricatures of political figures such as Gerald Ford, Jimmy Carter, and Ross Perot. In one situation, Socks must push Millie the dog, pet of former President George H.W. Bush, out the front door to avoid Arab terrorist felines. Also, Richard Nixon calls in bomb raids, and Ted Kennedy is seen driving a car on a bridge, which is apparently a reference to the Chappaquiddick incident. I just want to say that, out of context, the the sentence also, Richard Nixon calls in bomb raids, is pretty good. (laughs) I, this, this game, like, 
Where is Newt Gingrich? <laughs> he didn't make the cut. He wasn't yet born as an old man. <laughs> okay. Wait, I want to talk about the music in this game. I know I'm like doing that abrupt change right now. No, but... I really want to. I, I just really want to focus really quick on the fact that you have to avoid Arab terrorist felines. <laughs> like, what the fuck, man? And you have to sacrifice a dog to do it. Oh, you're right. I thought it was that you were helping the dog, but I think that makes much more sense that you were sacrificing the dog. Oh, Jesus Christ. This is the worst political satire I've ever seen, and there's some really bad shit out there. But is it the worst or is it the best? No, it's the worst. There's no question. Well, all right. <laughs> okay, can we talk about Chester Cheetah some more? I'm sorry, but uh, that's what our podcast is about. And if uh, if the listeners don't get this, they're going to feel cheated out of what they paid for, which was zero dollars. They're going to feel this. cheetoed. Oh, fuck. <laughs> anyway, yeah, let's move on to what w- what's next. A mystery? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I just want to say the music is bad. There's a lot of shit guitar riffs, and it's super bad. Well, yeah, the music is bad, but it, it is stuck in my head. The next day, I still can't, I still hear, oh, no, it's gone now. I'm yeah, I, I can't remember Goodbye. any of it. That's exactly what the music sounds like. Yeah. But regarding the music and the vanity of this game, every single part of this game's aesthetic is aimed at like this late 80s dad rock thing with like a whole bunch of like blues motifs of everybody wearing sunglasses and like Chester Cheetah shredding on a guitar to get uh, f- uh, one-ups and five-ups five-ups yeah and uh, I don't know why they decided to go with that as I guess that's what uh, Cheetos were being marketed as at this point like uh, this really already outdated aesthetic I mean, it was the 90s. Like, they didn't know how to market the kids. Like, that's that's my feeling anyway. Like, I don't feel like I was directly marketed to until, like, the late 90s when they started getting, like, really good at that shit. But, it, yeah, everything just, like, totally missed me. It was weird. Maybe it was trying to get dads to buy Cheetos for their kids because they're like, oh, man, this cool blues rock game. I'm going to buy some Cheetos. Staring at the screenshot has reminded me that Chester's giant head means that you can't really sit on the edge of platforms and wait for an enemy to finish their patrol and turn around a lot of times because his giant head's hitbox is going to intersect with them and you'll die. Actually, his giant head does not intersect with hitboxes. His giant head is immune to harm. His giant head is in the exact situation described by that screenshot with the skateboard dude i died sometimes his giant head will make him be a dead cheetah okay so sometimes it's deadly and sometimes it does nothing (laughs) and that's a good summary of chester cheetah's wild wild quests (laughs) okay let um but yeah so vanity wise i actually think the game looks all right there's some good palettes in there for the backgrounds and levels and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of it is really trash and really super bad. Um, but I'm happy to move on to mystery if everybody else is. 
there's an, there's some armadillos with tank treads for some reason. Oh yeah, that's cute. Armadillos. I'm sure they were called internally. Oh. Yeah, I feel like I mean it's very obvious that this game was trying to capture like a similar audience uh, to uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog games and completely missed. Like a lot of the bosses were straight up just like Sonic the Hedgehog bosses, but worse. Way, way, way worse. Yeah, the UFO with the the grabber claw was. I, my first thought was, oh, is this Eggman? Oh yeah, that's just basically the first boss of what is that? They, I think that's in the first Sonic. I can't remember if that's first or second boss, but yeah, same thing. Or first or second game. Uh, also, another little, little detail that I thought was very funny is that there's a there is an annotated long play of um, easy mode on YouTube done by, I think, some 4chaner. And uh, even though I'm generally not into 4chan level humor, uh, in all the annotations, he refers to Mean Eugene as Eggman, and I could not stop laughing at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, I, no, I think that I think we've expended. Yeah, no, the fucking Sonic thing. Anyway. <laughs> let's 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 move on to mystery i think we'll we'll surely find some other digression in here uh but yeah so our next topic is mystery What did I write for mystery? Uh, oh yeah, I said, I wrote down in my notepad file, I don't think brand games like this really thrive on mystery, but what did you all notice? Which sounds like something that you would write in a sixth grade book report, so I apologize. But uh, what mysteries were there to be had in this game? Well, the first thing I wrote in my uh, mystery section was why? Yeah, but I think we had that mystery question in Tetris uh, 2. Yeah, it's just, why? Oh, God. The first thing I wrote, and this was based on the uh, uh, the manual, was, who are these other characters? Question mark, question mark. So I found in the manual, so you can pick up these portraits of characters, uh, which I guess is supposed to help you in the bonus game at the end, but I, it's like a slot machine, but I never got literally anything from that, so I don't know what the point of that is. But I'm going to tell you, in the manual it says, Pictures of Chester and some of his closest pals, Daryl Dog, Hip-O, which is H-I-P hyphen O, and Funky Monkey appear in every level. Who are these other secondary Cheetos mascots? Has, has Have any of you seen these outside of this game? No, but I can only assume that they did show up in some of the commercials because, like, Whoever uh, was doing the Games Done Quick speedrun of this was uh, pretty fervent about people knowing Cheetah lore. Or Cheetos lore, not not Cheetah lore. Slight difference. I, I looked up Daryl Dog Cheetos, and, it's just a, and the first image result was just a picture of a Chihuahua in a Cheetos bag, so I thought I'd share that with everyone. Okay, that is a very good picture. Everyone listening at home, please go look that up now. I did get... I believe twice some rewards from the slot machine. Once I got an extra life, which may or may not have still been there when I started the next, like maybe I started with three extra lives instead of two. I don't know. 
or maybe it disappeared because this is a horribly designed game. Um, and once I got some points. Yeah, points. points. I want to get the high score in Chester Cheetah's Wild Wild Quest. Uh, by the way, I looked up uh, Hip O, uh, and I guess Funky Monkey is in this game as well. Uh, they're in the first game. Hippo and Funky Monkey are. There is no Daryl Dog referenced anywhere else that I could find on the internet. So the, the Hippo and Funky Monkey, sure, from the previous Cheetos game, but Daryl Dog is just made up for this game, which is incredible. Cue the X-Files theme. And uh, none of these characters actually show up in the game. You can just get pictures of them in the game. Yeah, no, you just get, like, a really shit picture of them. Well, there is one place they show up, and that's on the sound test screen, where the characters, when you play a song, will actually jam out on their instruments on stage. Oh, I didn't go there. I was like, sound test? Who wants the music from this game? I feel like I missed out. Yeah, I didn't go there either. That's so amazing. In, they're in Chester's band? I guess so. Yes, that's that's exactly what's implied. Chester Cheetah's midlife crisis white guy blues band. <laughs> it's definitely a shitty dad blues rock band. Absolutely. There's no way it's anything but... I only have one other note for mystery, is which I wrote down. Why the fuck... Old lady on... What the fuck does that say? Raka? I can't even read my... Oh, vacay. They're at the end of the beach level, which is very short and very linear, um, there's an old lady with an umbrella and a bunch of beach, like, accoutrement, and she tries to kill you. And it's unlike any of the other bosses. All the other bosses are either, like, weird robots or mean Eugene in an airplane or some shit. And then there's also just a weird old lady. Like, what the fuck, man? I think it's just mean Eugene dressed as an old lady. Maybe. I don't know. Or maybe she just... I mean, Chester busts onto this beach. He assaults a bunch of skateboarders. He indiscriminately kills birds. And whatever else is there, he just rampages through the town looking for a piece of a map. And Cheetos. And Cheetos. He steals all the Cheetos. I'm entitled to them. I'm Chester Cheetah. I don't have to pay. I you know. Um, I think that if I was, I think it's in character for, you know, and uh, give no fucks old woman to say, I'm not going to take this from this stupid sunglasses wearing cheetah. She's a patriotic and American is what she is. Try, try to teach him a lesson. I love the idea that there's a cheetah on the beach and this lady's just like, I'm going to fuck that cheetah up. I'm not about to have my vacation interrupted by this bullshit. <laughs> I'm going to fucking stab him with an umbrella. You don't even know. Uh, this, uh, like, tourist lady sounds far more like the protagonist of a video game than Chester Cheetah ever has. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. I would, I would definitely play as Beach Lady. So, how much uh, can be said about Chester being an invasive species to the species of Cheetos in America? <laughs> I guess, yeah. Are, are Cheetahs... Actually, this is a good question. Are Cheetahs endangered? Because I think that the amount of Chester Cheetahs we killed playing this game would make us criminals. That is a good point. Uh, I'm not sure if they're actually still endangered. I think they once were, but they are vulnerable. 
population well, decreasing. In general, they are also vulnerable because they're very nervous creatures, which is not reflected in Chester's personality at all, which, if anything, makes Chester a reaffirming representation for cheetahs. They can all look upon him and think, yes, I can be dangerously cheesy. I can be too cool to fool. I think that uh, cheetahs might be endangered because they shatter like glass anytime anything touches them that remotely injures them. That might be the problem. Or anything that might be remotely healthy, because I do remember Chester Cheetah dying a lot anytime I tried to get him to eat an orange. <laughs> yeah, there's the, the boss that's like an orange picking robot. And it throws oranges at you, and, and Chester's like, No way, I can't eat those. That's the wrong kind of orange. That's Chester's voice. I love scurvy. I love scurvy, and I love dying. I love death. Chester's a nihilist. Chester's depressed. <laughs> Poor Chester. I mean, wouldn't you be if you spent all of your time beating up skateboarders and eating Cheetos? I think you'd just physiologically be unable to experience good thoughts. Look behind the sunglasses. See the pain inside those eyes. Those orange-like eyes. I just want someone to love me. The thing that I was wondering, the first question that struck me when I was... I was uh, started playing the game. You have your initial scroll, and this is kind of touching on poetry. It's a bit of an overlap. I'm sorry, but it says... He says in his rhyming intro to the game, Mean Eugene busted out of a speed trap to snap up my map. And his use of the phrase speed trap, Mean Eugene seems to be like a military figure or maybe someone who idolizes the military and, you know, dresses up like he's in the military and uses his great personal wealth to make, acquire and or build war machines to attack cheetahs in. Um, but when I initially read it, I thought the use of the phrase speed trap made me think maybe mean Eugene was a cop. And so I kind of wondered if, even if he's not a cop, if the use of the phrase speed trap implies that Chester thinks of anyone who is opposed to him as a cop. So maybe Chester hates cops? Question mark. Chester is the true Antifa. <laughs> I just want to say, which Chester is the hero we need. Um, wait, 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 wait. Why the fuck is uh, Chester Cheetah so fucking slow? He's a cheetah. Cheetahs go fast. They have a you have a run button. You can go really fast and just die, but you go fast. He's he can be fast. He's just not very agile. This is just a cheetah in very poor health because it's eaten nothing but cheetos its entire life. I think the moral from this story is that if you eat Cheetos your entire life, your head will become so large that physically your body should not be able to support it. Your weak <laughs> arthritic limbs, probably, um, just collapsing underneath you. So, yeah, Chester cannot be that healthy. I don't know if you guys have looked at the official Chester Cheetah Twitter, which exists, but um, 
all of the images that actually have Chester in them, which are terrifying, uh, he looks incredibly malnourished, and his whiskers are extremely scraggly. It is, it is terrifying. In fact, I think his fur also looks like it's like covered in cobwebs or something. Like I, I feel like I'm looking at a horror movie still. Every time I see an image of him, I just want to say that I just googled "mean Eugene" in quotes, and the first result is Urban Dictionary, and the definition is a blowjob. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Chester hates cops. Chester hates blowjobs. Chester hates blowjobs from cops. Chester hates civic order. Chester hates women. Chester hates fruit. And skateboarders. Chester hates everything except Chester was in the zoo and he hated it. (laughs) Chester goes from town to town destroying those towns, seeking another town, seeking Hip City. We don't know what he's going to do in Hip City. There's no reason for us not to believe that once he's in Hip City, he won't just destroy it as he has destroyed all the other cities before it. No, the final level is Hip City, and all all he does there is race a car. No, no, it's not. Like, I... in the in the ending scrawl, he says, "I'm Hip City, bound or bust." So he never actually gets there in the game. Yeah, the last the you don't have the entire map when you go to Hip City. There's still a corner piece missing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's Mean Eugene. Yeah, it's just called Rally. So you have to get the 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 map from Mean Eugene by jumping on his car. That actually was the most pleasant boss fight because it lasted about sixteen seconds. <laughs> it was really short. I was watching that uh, that one long play on YouTube, and I had it on double speed, so I wasn't super sure, but it actually looked like the guy playing was able to beat the uh, mean Eugene in the rally race just by repeatedly backing up into him, and it kept uh, doing damage to him. Wait, Jesus. there's one other boss that did not fit with the pattern of Mean Eugene powering a robot, and that was that uh, rain cloud that you fight, that uh, anthropomorphic rain clouds. Oh, yeah, that that was very, very bizarre. Yeah, that was weird. Like, where did that come from? Like, there was a couple of very bizarre things going on. Suddenly, uh, Frito-Lay decides to get into the sins of uh, industrialization. <laughs> Yep, I knew it. Frito-Lay was, again, the hero we need. <laughs> All right. Um, I think I'm I'm excited to, to go to the next category. So uh, any more mystery uh, stuff? Well, I do have a very definite mystery. Uh, can Chester Cheetah drown? Uh, no. Did, did you like, just try to leave him underwater and see what happens? I just assumed that cheetahs are amphibious. That makes sense. That's why his head is so much larger than a normal cheetah's. He has a whole extra set. He's a mutant. Oh, he's got he's got another set of lungs in his head. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, the cheetah's dust has formed some kind of like water filtration system where he can extract oxygen from the uh, from the hydrophobic barrier of uh, of crushed up cheetah's. I'm glad we're determining that Chester Cheetah's biology actually makes sense in, in this context. Because, yeah, he, he never drowned for me. 
Well, if you look at a normal, a normative cheetah, its head's really small compared to its body. So there has to be a reason why they decided to make Chester's head so goddamn big. This seems like as good an explanation as any. I'm down with it. <laughs> I am wondering. Maybe this is just because I I was kind of sick for the last few days, and I made the mistake of watching Defenders, which has um, certain lazy plot points in common with, or thematics in common with another superhero franchise, which has this on my mind. But given Chester's hatred of authority and his obsession with the destruction of municipal areas, is it possible that Hip City is code for Gotham City and Chester Cheetah is in fact Bane? I think that's it. Considering that we never hear him talk, uh, we can't assume that he doesn't have that awful, stupid Bane voice, so he probably does. So I think that, yeah, Chester Cheetah is Bane, and, uh, yeah, if you, if you don't get it, open your eyes, sheeple. You shouldn't, you're not paying attention. I hope my Wake up, America. You. Wake up, America. Get to Hip City with the rest of us. You merely adopted the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, I'm moving on. <laughs> moving on. I was born in the cheese. <laughs> Oh, God. Anybody can do a terrible Bane impression, and I'm going to laugh like oh, an idiot. Got to go fast. That's Sonic. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about our, our almost last category here. Oh, wait. Shit. Salary man corner. It's salary man corner, corner, corner. I almost forgot. Christ. So uh, this week we're talking about a Mahjong game. Yay, we're back on Mahjong. It's called Super Nichibutsu Mahjong 4. Kiso Kenkyu Hen. Oh, God. Um, this is made by... This actually is sort of kismet-like. Um, it's made by a company called Nichibutsu, and they invented strip Mahjong in arcades. Um, and actually, if you want to hear more about that, weirdly, you can listen to uh, Sakarina's, one of the, the people who've been on this cast before. Uh, they've got a, uh, a YouTube series called Swan Song, talking about Wonder Swan games, and there's a neat little short history in the 35th episode about Crazy Climber, also made by Nijibutsu. Um, but yeah, so this was our Mahjong game, and uh, it, it, as much as it looks like it's strip Mahjong, it totally isn't. Uh, we played five minutes of the game. What were our impressions of Super Nijibutsu Mahjong 4? I actually played like two hours of this game, uh, because I, for some reason, really enjoy Mahjong now, apparently. Uh, and yeah... Hot. No, not at all. There, there's, there's no nudity. I played against the nerd girl who just like uh, laughed at me anytime my hands. Oh, sounds pretty hot to me then. <laughs> and then I me. also I also played against another girl who uh, would tackle uh, uh, the background turned into fireballs and uh, lightning uh, whenever she won. What? That's awesome. That's really cool. 
Uh, so I think this game was meant to lure salarymen into becoming Mahjong addicts. Uh, and they did that by putting scantily clad women on, like, the cover art and, uh, the main menu screen and then nowhere else. Yeah, I think it was meant to lure normal people into becoming salarymen. <laughs> no, I, I was afraid this was going to be our first, like, semi-nudie game. And, yeah, it's just, it's the main screen, it's on the cover, and that's it. And then it's just, like, faces. There's not even, like, bodies there. So, uh, yeah, is weird. I guess it, Tolpa, you were saying that it has a learn Mahjong mode as well, which would make sense with the uh, getting salarymen addicted to Mahjong, right? Yeah, yeah. It has a very extensive tutorial that teaches you everything you need to know about uh, Mahjong. Unfortunately, it's in Japanese, and I don't actually speak enough Japanese to understand any of it. But if you were Japanese, yeah. I played it for, like, I don't even know if I made it to five minutes, because I was just like, this is boring. It was just Mahjong, right? Like, and I keep I keep thinking, yes, I know how to play Mahjong. I do not know how to play Mahjong. I keep, like, I'm like, I know I need to make sets, and that's the, ex the extent to which I know how to play Mahjong. <laughs> like, great. I can't, I'm not even sure how else to do this. So, uh, so yeah, so I played it for a few minutes and, and called it quits. It didn't have anything super interesting to me, but if there's fire and lightning, I mean, that's definitely cool. It had some... Uh, kind of variant rules on by defaults. So there's like 30 options for like how you can play Mahjong in this game. And I did not understand which option was on that made it impossible for me to like complete half of my hands while the other half were just fine. It's yeah, yeah there's just reading about Mahjong. There's so many variants and I've been surprised how deep these games get into those rule sets. Like that has surprised me. I, I, I guess like it was just me not understanding. I figured this was like the trash of the Super Nintendo, where it's just like, oh, everybody produces a Mahjong game, you know, who cares? Kind of like sports games in the U.S., where it's just like, oh, there's so many of them. But I, I've really come to realize that there is a, a lot of depth and difference to these games. It's just I don't see it because I don't understand Japanese. And it's, it, you know, it, to me, it was always a surface level thing before. So, yeah, it, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, no, I think when we do Pachinko games, that those are always the trash ones, and Mahjong is actually pretty fine. Yeah, Pachinko just, so far, has been pretty trashy, so... <laughs> Alright, any other thoughts on this, uh, this Mahjong game? Alright, cool. Yeah, check out Swan Song, episode 35, Crazy Climber. Uh, there's, there's an interesting history there for Nichibutsu, but, uh, yeah, okay, so... I didn't forget Salaryman Corner this week. You didn't have to remind me, Courier. I thank you. Thank God. <laughs> I'm glad we were able. I'm glad we were able to put the blame on you for that, and so that we could ignore the fact that I didn't play it this week. <laughs> Which I don't think was that great of a loss. <laughs> okay, uh, so this is the category. I wasn't excited about Mahjong. I, I was excited about poetry. So poetry. Let's talk about poetry. I have some criticisms of this game's use of poetry, specifically the meter is really bad, but this game actually is the first one that we've had that has literal poetry in it, uh, and it's in the beginning and the end. Uh, so what were some favorite verses, and uh, I guess, what, was there anything else that came up that was poetic? Eat my dust. Eat my dust. That's how it ends. Hip City Boomer Bust. 
beat my dust. Yeah, the, the intro to this game is a mostly rhyming, like, little thing that Chester Cheetah does, which, I, if I remember correctly, Chester Cheetah has sort of a shitty, uh, like, what, what, a beat poetry kind of voice in some of the commercials, and I'm, I'm kind of reading it in that in my mind. Uh, but there are... Hey, cat. A literal hep cat, exactly. Uh, but my the, the meter was so bad. I'm going to read you the first thing that comes up. It says, I busted out of the Four Corners Zoo in search of Hip City, USA. But mean Eugene keeps getting in my way. It's like there's way, there's not enough syllables in that second little part there. Like, I'm, I'm dying. It, it, it's like, it's awful. <laughs> The very worst rhyme, in my opinion, was it, it was a very short one. Be shrewd, dude. That's a good line, though. Be shrewd, dude. I was a. I believe they lifted that one from an episode of Full House. Is that the one where uh, DJ, that's the character's name, uh, dual wields pistols and takes down everyone? Yes. One of the other daughters says, Don't have a cow. And I got nothing. <laughs> then, then proceeds to Matrix Dodge every shot. Yes. Yes, exactly. For the sleaziest line of all of the poetry in this game, I think it has to go to another one from the intro. Want to feast your eyes on a special prize? Oh, God. Go to jail, Chester. <laughs> I Back don't. to the zoo with you. And your special prize. <laughs> Get back to animal jail. <laughs> My other favorite really bad one is this. Then talk about a drag. Mean Eugene raced out from a speed trap to snap up my map. Like, what? no, no, don't set me up for a rhyme and then have five words in after like 17. No, kill me. Well, that kind of turns it into a rap, doesn't it? Especially since that would also fit into there. But the first well, drag, part doesn't work. Drag rhymes with Saddleback from the previous line. This is some really complex shit. Okay. Oh, it's it's Byronic. Yeah, you just don't get the scansion here, uh, Clint. Okay, you know what? You're right. It does it does go with Saddleback on the previous one. Good job. <laughs> I thought on the previous line they were trying to rhyme map with bag, which was not not good. <laughs> oh, there's a typo, too, because he says, like, I was cruising, but cruising doesn't have the first I in it, so it, it still reads as cruising, but it's typo. Is there a G at the end? No. Then it's just cruising. Huh. Cru cruising. <laughs> I was cruising for a crucifixion. Oh. <laughs> to me, the worst line is, that rat took flight in his rickety crate and scattered my map over the United States. It's really bad. United States. It's really, really bad. <laughs> there is there is a moment of genuine, genuine poetry to me at the end um, when it just says the end. And for one thing, it's the end and you're done with this game and you don't just not have to play, but you, you can't play. There's, your inputs will not be accepted anymore. It's, it's impossible to play. And maybe this is common with 
games of this era. I was really bad at video games as a child, um, but it just stays up forever. That is fairly that is fairly common with games from that era, but it it was definitely a point of suffering that they left it on that one song of what the four songs in this game. Yeah, but it just I could take my headphones off. I walked away for like a half hour. I didn't have to listen to the song. I went and did other things, and on my screen was just the end, and that actually quite attractive looking scrolling background with that beautiful pink skies glaring back at me. It was a very vaporwave connection finale of this game. It was the end, and it was the end forever. And it if you wait, the end. if you wait ten hours, then it unlocks the second quest. Oh my god! If you wait twelve hours, it unlocks his bane mask. <laughs> That's worth replaying it for. He he does say. Uh, let's see, where was it again? At the end, he he says that you were great. Good show, amigo. Blah blah blah. Let's take another trip down the highway of hip. So he's inviting you to play again, which I can't imagine he did. Or he's propositioning you. Again. Again, the highway of my hips. Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to fuck Chester Cheetah. But Chester Cheetah wants to fuck you. God. Tony the Tiger, save me. (laughs) Please, Tony. I'll do anything. There is a lot of erotic fanfic about Tony the Tiger. I just want everyone to know. He's a he's a big beefy tiger. He's he's a lovely tiger. It, in the Discord the other day, I shared a rule thirty. I'm sorry, Shrug. We have to fight now. <laughs> <laughs> we both talked at the same time for too long, and now it's initiated combat. Um, but no, I was gonna say that I did post a, a fan art the other day in the Discord of. Uh, that is a slash fan art of Chester and Tony, and it was it was pure. It wasn't even like gross and sexual. It was pure, you know, I, like 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 Gex and Bubsy. I believe the most common pairing for Tony the Tiger is the Grinch because they're both voiced by the same guy. What? We <laughs> okay. <laughs> Only one page of Chester Cheetah results on Rule Thirty Four. You know, that's a real disappointment. What I just said is 100% true, by the way. I wasn't making that up just to say something weird. No, I totally believed you. As soon as you said that, I'm like, no, that totally makes sense that people would think that. (laughs) Okay, so Chester Cheetah and the Pink Panther are a thing. Okay, there we go. That makes sense. Yeah, that that makes sense. But we got to get that love triangle in there. There's one where Chester... There's no, it's not, it's not at all graphic. I mean, some of these are very graphic, but this one is just a fairly crude cartoon depiction of the Pink Panther. Uh, Bent over is a very placid look on his face. Um, While Chester, with his teeth kind of grimacing, um, teeth together, has his hips up against the Pink Panther's rear, Everything's tight, so you don't see, you know, the genital situation. Leave this whole segment. You know what's going on. And Chester is saying, you are dangerously hot. (laughs) I'm looking at it right now. It really stands out among the crowd. (laughs) There's also a Chester Cheetah fanfic uh, titled, If You Knew the Nub, 
a Chester Cheetah's nub and reader fanfic. What's a nub? It's it's where his crotch is supposed to be. That they're calling it the nub. Oh no, shrug! You forget you, like, you failed sorry. to mention that Chester Cheetah is holding a bag of Cheetos. I'm sorry, I wasn't. I didn't actually look at the. I didn't click on the thumbnail, so I wasn't sure what that was. Tulpa, how dare you post that? So like, <laughs> look so at the nub. The nub is like they're accounting for the fact that in canon he has no genitalia. Yes. Is the nub just like the bottom of his torso? Like it yes. puts his butt and front nothing? Chester yeah, Cheetah. Yeah, butt nothing and front nothing together. Chester Cheetah doesn't even have a cloaca. And that's uh, the greatest sin of all. <laughs> he does have a cloaca if you Google hard enough, and that's where the Cheetos come from. No! <laughs> oh my Wait, god. You stole my fucking joke. The Cheetos come from Chester. <laughs> I said that yesterday, and you told me not to continue with it. And now you betray me. <laughs> oh no. I'm, I'm sorry I stole like your joke. Cheeto in the shape of a dick. That's not even really pornographic. That's just a Cheeto. That's just a very, very That's good Cheeto. That's just natural and beautiful. Oh, my God. Yeah, we all need to accept that that uh, Cheetos in the shapes of dick are not pornographic. I don't know why I said singular dick, not dicks, but whatever. They're both natural, beautiful, and something you absolutely should send to the official Chester Cheetah Twitter. Because they do post... Uh, submitted Cheetos that look like they're shaped like animals or something. Because, I don't know, they're very depressed. They don't have anything better to do. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. I cannot believe we got into where the Cheetos come from. <laughs> well, I guess we solved that mystery. <laughs> mystery motherfucking solved. <laughs> but, uh, that was... Uh, I'm glad that Clint is handling this secret category this time because that's what mine was going to be. <laughs> I just wrote, <laughs> I just wrote in all caps, the Cheetos come out of Chester's body. <laughs> okay, yeah, I do have a, a different category, uh, but I, I, I am glad, really, we ended up getting both. Um, <laughs> so do you both stole my joke and disrupted the timeline. Yes. <laughs> Good job, Tulpa. Now you have to fight, now you have to fight Tulpa as well. You're fighting Shrug and Tulpa. I'm the only one not fighting. Which is good. I'll race, I'll do a race with you all to beat this game again. And I'll be the judge, because I don't want to play this again. You win. <laughs> okay. By default. You're the winner. You did it. Courier is the winner. Okay. The uh, champion games master. You've earned your title back again. Uh, oh, yes. Lord Gamer. My true name. My true title. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Let's move on to our, our almost final cat. We've talked for almost, what, like, about an hour and a half about Chester Cheetah's Wild Wild Quest. That is truly the wildest quest of all. And we've got more. Um, Harmony is our final, well, sort of final category. What do we have for Harmony? I don't know. This game sucks. No, I think this game is extremely harmonious because all of the pieces come together aesthetically. Like, it all makes sense for fucking Frito, like, Chester Cheetah Cheetos, garbage, oh God, I don't know. And just like a bag of Cheetos, this game uh, seems like a good idea at first, ends with you sick to your stomach, and 
in the meantime is just you hitting your head on things. I definitely hit my head on things while I eat Cheetos. It's part of the ritual I have. <laughs> Oh my god, are we still- <laughs> Are we still talking about Chester's nub? Ah! What you may find on my profile. Nub cross reader fanfics. Nub analysis documents. Rants slash arguments regarding the importance of nub in today's society. Cheeto appreciation. Long live the nub. Okay, Tulpa, did you write that yourself or is that- No, I didn't write that. I just found that on uh, Wattpad. Oh no, I never knew this had a name, and now I can never forget. I am dead. I, I can't believe how desperate people are to sexualize the absence of sexual parts in mascots. I just want to scrub the nub from my brain. Please don't scrub the nub. Please and do not use that word again. <laughs> scrub the nub. <laughs> Okay, so this game was the most disharmonious thing I've ever experienced. The music was mostly terrible. The graphics were good enough to confuse me and make me think maybe this game had value, but I was wrong. And now, now I know about Chester's nub, and I, it's, I'm done. I don't have anything else to add for Harmony. A lot of the environments seem to be... I mean, obviously, like we said, they, they all have their own unique tile sets. Um, a lot of them have unique enemies that are often thematically appropriate, though they do reuse some of them, like they get tons of mileage out of that flopping fish. But there was one level that really stood out to me in terms of a sort of harmonious presentation from the very moment that it began, and that was Unclear Water, Florida. It also seems to be in harmony with certain themes I've tried to explore on past episodes that I have appeared on. Um, you're in a swamp, which implies fecundity. The first thing, and what really popped out at me, was in the first sort of background layer is these shrubs. And the opening, there are gaps in these shrubs, which all have these very yonic appearance. Um, speaking of nubs, I'm standing there going, that seems very specific. And there's more than one gap with subtly different shapes that are all still very much like conventional female genitalia. And then beyond them, I notice next, are these sort of twisted, veiny trees rising up into the distance, and then what slithers down the slope at me but a snake? This, okay, okay. A phallus. I'm following. Now, you kind of have to detect harmony points because it's a rattlesnake, so what's it doing in a swamp? But still, a snake. So you have to ascend this hill, jumping on these snakes, notably... They're some of the weakest enemies in the game, but they're constantly spawning, constantly spawning. Of course, they're generative. They're constantly rebirthing. You jump on them, they're spewing out Cheetos, sustenance. You jump on 
the generative snakes in this place of fecundity, and it spews out life-giving Cheeto. And yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> and then at the end, you fight a man-eating, actually in the, in the manual, the boss is called the Chester-eating plant. It's a Chester-eating plant. One presumes it wouldn't eat people then? I don't know. But anyway, it's a multiple-headed flower with vines that explodes out of the ground and retreats after you deal damage to it, which sprays you with literal seeds and has heads that are not unlike the head of a phallus. You have to destroy the heads of the phallus that are spraying seeds at you. Chester is at war with the very powers of generation. Long live the nub. Long live the nub. So yeah, I think that particular... Tulpa, I swear to... God damn it! Clint, <laughs> it just gets worse and worse. <laughs> We've got a gif now. Or jif, if you will. I wish, I'm never saying that again. Just record that moment. I'm never saying jif again. I prefer Mike Rugnetta's version, which is, uh, which is jife. Jife. So we've got a jife of Chester Cheetah uh, replacing his tongue, nose, and sunglasses all while compressing his face. I'm not sure what the fuck this is from, but it's weird. And then, of course, I just posted a very large image of the nub. So maybe it's a very harmonious level. Would aside from a few details, but maybe I don't know. Actually, you know, because he is so committed to destruction um, and is against order and life in general, I guess it is actually very harmonious. Maybe like the thesis of the game, in essence, um, Chester at war with order, Chester at war with life. Chester at war with Earth. Chester Cheetah is the anti-life equation. <laughs> Essentially, Chester and the nub. Oh, the anti-life equation. Oh, God. Okay. I'm glad that I have Push to talk on, because all you would have heard over Shrug demonstrating the powers of fecundity and Chester's war on life um, was me just giggling like a maniac. Um... <laughs> Okay. Well, I think I think that's it for uh, harmony. Unless there's anything else anybody can add that's going to top that. I didn't think so. All right. So this week's mystery topic. I came up with it this time, and it's a lot less profound than perhaps where do the Cheetos come from. Um, but what the fuck is with brand games and mascot games aping Sonic? I'm talking about Bubsy. I'm talking about Chester. I'm talking about Cool Spot. Zool. Why Sonic? Why not Mario? We're, like, I feel like most of the, the, the really bad mascot games all are trying to get Sonic, and they're all really bad about it. So what, what's with that? What's with, why is Sonic so attractive to the worst games on every console? Well, if I remember correctly, uh, there's a book on the rise and fall of Sega, and I believe in it. They mention, and I only, I only eat on this. I only know this through hearsay, so I could be wrong. But I, I believe that it was touched on that 
Uh, Sonic was created by committee design, and so it was he was intentionally designed to be as hip as possible, and so it makes sense that other brands would want to do with what is attractive to the kids. And so naturally they would be going more for Sonic than for, like, Mario. Especially in the 90s where uh, the design by committee was all about uh, giving things as much to it as possible. I think the appeal of Mario is in his mechanics. So if you are looking to make, yeah, something glossy to appeal to the kids, you're going to look at something glossy that appeals to the kids, and that's Sonic. I suppose, but it seems like like Mario has always been very appealing to kids. And, like, yeah, sure, the mechanics are great, but it's also this weird, like, surrealist thing. And, like, it's a lot easier than Sonic in a lot of ways, too. Like, you can always make a little bit of progress. You're not having to deal with Sonic constantly getting hit. And that's another thing that none of these games do. Sonic is actually very robust. He gets hit, he loses his rings, but all it takes is one ring to survive a hit. None of these games let you survive more than one or maybe two hits. And then the life, like, power-ups are all very rare. So they miss that mark entirely. It just seems... Uh, oh, go I ahead. Feel, I feel like if uh, Chester were to drop all of his Cheetos when he gets hit in this game, the, the Super Nintendo would just burst into flames. That is true. <laughs> burst into flaming hot Cheetos. That's exact. yep. Maybe, okay. he could, maybe he could barf up his partially digested Cheetos. Oh God! I mean, he is—he has a, a big cat, and cats are notorious for puking up partially digested food. Imagine a Sonic the Hedgehog game, only instead of knockback animations and the loss of rings, it has incredibly elaborate, disgusting death animations for a variety of scenarios. That'd be pretty amazing, actually. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. I still wish that instead of crumbling to pieces like uh, a vase or something, as they do in the Looney Tunes cartoons, uh, I would have preferred that when he dies, he just explodes into Cheetos. That would have been incredible. <laughs> that would have been flawless. Yes. <laughs> Once again, giving credence to the theory that the Cheetos come from Chester. I just want to say that in the Archie comics, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog comic, issue number 72, Chester the Cheetah apparently makes a guest appearance, so that's fun. Oh, please. I want it. I'm trying to find a download for it, but I don't think it's going to happen while I still care. <laughs> yeah, it's already fading for me, too. Yep. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, that... you're. you're you're all totally right. Like, it is like Sonic is the glossy one. Sonic is the one that's like got the tood, and that's what all the brands were going for. I just think it's funny because you could take that attitude thing and you could apply it to something like Mario anyway. It's it's really a, a, an aesthetic level, not so much a, a mechanical level. But, yeah, I guess people wanted to be associated with Sonic. Uh, it's just so strange. It, it really weirds me out, um, especially, like, Bubsy really 
is weird because there's no brand associated with Bubsy. Like, it's just fucking Bubsy, and he's doing this horrible Sonic impression. And it's like, they took so much time to work on the animations and everything for that game. It's a really, like, got a lot of interesting things going on, and yet they couldn't come up with a mechanic where he doesn't die immediately upon hitting anything, and also he's always on the far side of the screen that you're going towards so you can never see anything anyway. So it just, it drives me insane. So... (laughs) I mean, there's there's lots of like mascot platformers that aren't attached to anything that were still clearly like riffing on Sonic. Like Yes on the PlayStation was definitely Sonic influenced with its uh, one liners and suit and sunglasses. Uh, so weird. So Sonic designed by committee to be the Tudinist, and uh, everybody copies him and does a bad job of catching that Tud. And and here we are with Chester Cheetah's Wild Wild Quest. So that was all I wanted to talk about. Um, any final I, notes on? Or go ahead. Sorry, I uh, I was reminded since you brought up Bubsy that uh, a reminder, and by reminder I mean an announcement to the people of home at home that uh, the true shadow leader of the podcast is my own mother, and she she very much wanted us to play Chester Cheetah, which. Uh, I imagine is why we had about 27, 28 votes for Chester this time, and that those must have all been alt accounts of hers that she made to go on the forums. <laughs> and she she uh, has some nostalgia for this, because at one point when I was a kid, we rented this and probably the other Chester Cheetah game. She was very heartbroken to discover that this game was not, in fact, good. And uh, she said... Maybe the good game that I was thinking of was Bubsy. So she is still very delusional. She thinks Bubsy was probably a good game. Also, she (laughs) pronounced it both Busby and Bugsy. (laughs) I love this. Can we get updates from your mom every week or every other week, I guess? Absolutely. When when's your mom going to uh, sign up for the podcast? Just I would love to podcast with your mom. Uh, I will probably bring her on the next time we play a game that has uh, occult stuff in it because she is actually the leader of of the co-leader of an occult organization, which that makes me an heir, a secret heir to that. Just so y'all know. Oh, my God. That's incredible. And the games master. Yes, she she is. She was the game master before me. But uh, she her game master stuff was like. Yoshi's Cookie. But she was the game master of Yoshi's Cookie. Yoshi's Cookie's a good game, so, uh, yeah, long live the game master. <laughs> long live the game master. There's no diminishing that title. <laughs> There's really not. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> sorry. Please uh, stop posting the nub. <laughs> we'll stop posting the nub when I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, I think that's it for Chester Cheetah's Wild Wild Quest. I think that this is probably the record for the amount of times I have said the name of the game during the podcast, because something about that name I just really love. Um, When you bounce. Wait, what? When you bounce into the... Wild Wild Quest. (laughs) Okay. Um, Is that what you guys were going for? Or did that just happen on accident? 
I think it was what we were going for, but I'm bad at references. All right. Um, so uh, that's it. We're done. Uh, hey, everybody, where can people find you on social media? Uh, my name is Shrug, and I don't debate to the idea of a white ethno state. <laughs> um, Good one. And I am at Shrugopolis on Twitter. Uh, where I do not rhyme. Thank heavens. You sound so tired, Shrug. (laughs) Shrug on the forums. And I actually wrote notes for this one. That's right. It took Chester Cheetah's Wild Wild Quest, the most important game of all time, to make me do it. Brought a lot out of all of us. Uh, I'm Career Rice. I am at Career Rice on Twitter where I post a lot about whatever I feel like, but mostly the podcast I like to think. Uh, I run the snexploration.tumblr.com mini blog, micro blog, whatever it's called. And I'm Career Rice on the selectbutton.net forums. Though I'm I'm very sleepy and I forget to post lately. <laughs> I am Talpa. I can generally be found on the forums under the name of Tulpa. I do have a Twitter I do not use very often uh, called at Memorias Tulpa. And very occasionally I am streaming on Twitch under the name Tupler, T-U-P-P-L-E-R. And I've been Virtual Clint, and you can find me on Twitter at Virtual Clint. Um, for updates and notifications about game polls, because we vote on games now, uh, you can follow... Oh, I'm Virtual Clint on the forums, too. Anyway, whatever. Uh, for, yeah, notifications about the current game that we're voting on, follow at Snexploration. So that's S-N-E... Or S-N-Exploration on Twitter. Uh, if you have questions or something like that, uh, feedback, whatever, you can email Snexploration at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, Courier's running the Tumblr, which is great. It's got a lot of stuff outside of the podcast, too, like a lot of cool retro things, Super, Super Mario Bra 3 blogs and neat stuff. So it, it's a good Tumblr to follow. Uh, Courier's got great aesthetic. Um, and as always, for more inane video game discussion, jump into the selectbutton.net forums. Uh, and I do want to mention, so you can vote on the next game we're going to play. By the time this podcast goes up, you probably can't. But you can always go to the select button net forums find the latest exploration poll in the output sub forum i've never mentioned this before so that's where you find it uh, so register an account you can vote uh vote early vote often uh this week we're going to be choosing between these three games you ready it's power pigs of the dark age whoa that's <laughs> that's obscure and bad i i'm certain it's a saturday morning cartoon uh J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings hyphen volume one or Dragon Knight four. And all of these are sort of medieval themed in a way. If the Dark Ages, the Dark Ages. So, uh, you know, we'll see. (laughs) Dragon Knight four. Was that a nudie game? I hope not. I'm sick of like nudie adjacent games. Uh but yeah. Yes, it's an erotic role-playing game. You're fucking kidding me. No. <laughs> I, 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 I believe Long it. Long live the nub. 
I what believe other way of the knob. Please go stop. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe that uh Dragon Knight 4 got a Western release at one point on PC and it was called like Knights of Xanthar? Xandar? Xanthos? Something? But Xantar. Xantar. Yeah, don't don't ask me why I know about nudie games. This one is I don't know about nudie games. Um, okay, so yeah, this is a hell of a pick. We are going to suffer no matter what gets picked. Yeah. Did you say? Did you say Power Pigs of the Dark Age? Yeah, Power about Pigs of the Dark Age. Two G's and Pig, by the way, and Pigs. So yeah, that's I'm sure I'm, that's got to be a, a, a Saturday morning cartoon thing. I mean, it just has to be. Um, yeah, Dragon Knight Four, the Super Nintendo version, does not feature nude gameplay. So, ugh, oh god, we have to not play Power Pigs. It's another Titus software game. Ah no, <laughs> must play Power Pigs of the Dark Age. Why? Why are the? Why is the Super Nintendo library so bad? What have I done creating this podcast? Anyway, the next podcast is going to go up September 23rd. That's when it's coming out. Uh, if you like this podcast, don't forget to tell every single person that you know and has a pulse about it, because I like it when people listen to this podcast. I like it when their moms listen to this podcast. That's great. Uh, yeah. So, and if you leave a review on iTunes, and we don't have any new reviews on iTunes, uh, but if you leave one on iTunes, I will read it on the podcast or get Courier to do it or someone, uh, even if it's really, really mean. Uh, but yeah, until next time, I guess it's not Bubsy? It's not Cool Spot. It's not Tiny Toons Buster's Hidden Treasure. It's not Power Pigs of the Dark Ages. Yet. <laughs> and that's, that's all for us. Thanks for listening to our weird podcast. <laughs> Long live the nub. Long, Long live, live the nub. Long, Long live the nub. Long live the nub. Long live the nub. <laughs> okay. All right, I'm going to stop recording now. <laughs>